everyone to the Tori Says Show. I am your host, Tori. So today is October 13th, 2020. And uh, it's pretty interesting. We were watching uh, the confirmation hearing for Justice Barrett. Uh, It was uh, very interesting. Uh, I thought today what we could do is um, kind of dissect a little bit of um, President Trump's rally and look at other news. Though yesterday, I wanted to say, I uploaded a little video. I wanted wanted to um, get it better done. I I thought I could have done it better. Let's put it this way. (laughs) Can't speak today. Um, But I uploaded it on YouTube, and within 20 minutes, it had entered that viral stage. Now, I had an unlisted link and a listed link. The unlisted was kind of like, hey, what do you think? You know, share it among people. And um, so the unlisted link and the video itself were both removed from YouTube. Uh, and it lasted maybe 20 minutes on YouTube and terms and policies, whatever. And so this morning I get an email from YouTube telling me, hey, we've reinstated this video. It's fine. But the one that was public facing that was going into virus viral status has not been reinstated yet, which is bizarre. Hence why I got the screenshot saying, well, same video, one was allowed and the other one wasn't. Super bizarre. So I thought I would share it with you guys so you understand it, um, what it's telling you. Uh, It's very important to understand what the video was telling you. On other news, um, tomorrow, see, that I had titled that BHO Legacy. (laughs) the private link. Uh, So that's still alive, um, but private. Um, I, and in other news, Shadowgate two is dropping tomorrow. Uh, And I wanted to point something out specifically regarding Benghazi um, because everyone's like, talk about it, talk about it. I was like, no, let's, let's see what media is going to talk about it. Because, you know, I get a lot of this uh, stuff from people. Well, you know, whatever was in Shadowgate two wasn't new. It was like, okay, So is that why it wasn't reported? I mean, the president was talking about it. Uh, You know, obviously actions done, pulling contracts, investigating them was done. They all got butt hurt, you know. So obviously, obviously, right, Um, something happened. So I don't see how uh, someone would say, oh, it wasn't news. Now I'm getting the same feedback I'm looking in the rooms from um, your supposed news, your news people, the blue check marks you follow, the mainstream media, the right stream media isn't touching Benghazi. Why? The same people that were showcased in Shadowgate 1 will be showcased in Shadowgate 2. And, huh. Put on a throne and expose for all in Shadowgate 3. We're involved in this Benghazi deal. How do I know? Because, well, I told you, I dealt with all the money side. So when things were being paid to the Pakistanis, guess who had eyes on it? That's right. So, uh, you know, I'm sitting back and watching it. Because people 
claim to be all about America, but won't talk about things because the people that orchestrated it are paying their bills. It's all about a paycheck, feeding your family, of course. Never about anything else. So um, for those of you on Twitch, I added some new emotes. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, so <laughs> I hope you like them. Uh, so we're going to watch this video together. And... Um, and then we're going to discuss news today, what to expect. And yeah, there we go. There's the new emotes, uh, what to expect. And, and we're going to talk about this Benghazi deal. We'll play the video. We'll talk about it a little bit because it merits to be talked about. I mean, it does. And that's only if it fits within the two hours because we don't need to talk about it yet. See, now investigations have happened. See, that's how it goes. You get the investigations going. Hmm? Like I said, sometimes when we say things and we're like, hey, they're going to orchestrate this thing here, it doesn't happen. Or if someone says, hey, by the way, XYZ, XYZ, suddenly investigations happen. Back in February, we were here talking about the State Department. I had just sent out a bunch of non-attributory <laughs> communication about Linux secret server. And just in case they didn't know. And then I tweeted about it. I said, whoop, SCOTUS gate. I told you that in February because it's going to be coming around now. Coming around now. Told you about Linux. Wrote about Linux in May. He was fired. And now Pompeo has his emails. Duh. Duh. So anyway, let's watch this and um, enjoy this show. Uh, you know. Paul Harvey in 1965, a simple radio show host, had warned you. Now, I obviously added some things to what he said, but I think it's really important you watch the whole thing. If I were Obama, the prince of demise, I'd promote segregation, hate, and poverty. I'd be friends with those that own a third of the world's real estate and majority of its population. But I wouldn't be satisfied until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, your mind. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over your thoughts, your hopes, and your aspirations. After subverting the churches first, I'd begin with a campaign of whispers to do so. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. If I was Obama, I would push false narratives of popular prejudices and false claims and promises in order to gain more power and increase division. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is lame. And the old, I would teach them to pray after me. Our Father, which art in Washington. If I was Obama, I would enforce socialism. But to do that, I'd have to be organized. I'd educate and applaud authors 
that make learned literature exciting so that anything else appears dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whomever I could. I'd sell alcohol to boys and girls. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were Obama, I'd be lowering the age of consent to and organize for the full takeover after I left public office. It would be too obvious if I stayed. Therefore, if, if I were Obama, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. I'd allow them, for my pleasure, to cannibalize themselves. And with promises of higher ratings and more money, I'd have mesmerizing fake news media fanning the flames my news, my media, all my mockingbirds. If I were Obama, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild. And until before you know it, little boys and girls don't know if they're boys and girls. And you'll have so many confused individuals that are the future of tomorrow that is only destined to fail within a decade. I'll have every citizen to their knee. I'll have judges that promote my ideas and the ideas of one government. But first, I must evict God from the courthouse. I've succeeded in the schoolhouse. I just got rid of him in Congress. And in his own churches, I am substituting psychology for religion under the guise of liberalism. And I'm deifying science. I've already lured the priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. So if I were the devil, <clears throat> I mean Obama, I'd make symbols of all things holy into a bottle. And if I was the successor of Obama, I would take from those who have and give to those who want until I have killed every last notion of ambitiousness within the people. <laughs> what do you bet? I could get whole states to promote prostitution, pedophilia, gambling, and drug abuse as a way to get rich. I would caution against any extremism or hard work or anything that has to do with patriotism, that would be deemed immoral. I would convince the young that marriage is so old-fashioned, swinging is more fun, and abortions even much more fun. Whatever you see on TV is what you want to be. Thus, I would be able to undress you in public and lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cure. 
In other words, I'm almost done. Do you really think you can take me on? The spirit of deception is everywhere. Paul Harvey warned. ISIS, fear. COVID, fear. Bankruptcy, fear. All of it, fear. But that isn't Biden's America. Wake up, America. This is what Biden's America looks like. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop, and they should not. These people are scared of our livelihood. A third straight night, Portland police declared a riot. The vast majority of the protests have been peaceful. Over the weekend, 59 officers injured and 37 people arrested. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announcing a proposal to cut a billion dollars from the New York City Police Department. We need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So guys, if Paul Harvey was telling you about this back in 1965, do you not think that we already have the playbook? This is a show and a script that they follow to the T. Because in order to dismantle your enemy, you must follow a plan. And to them, we are the enemy. To them, free people, freedom is the enemy. It's like a witch <laughs> with water melting. It's like vampires to light. They hide. Vampires. How fitting. I thought that it was a great way for people to understand where we're at. Because there are a lot of people out there that believe that it's done. It's dusted. We can't do anything about it. There's nothing we can do. It's over. What can we do? They're winning. We're losing. Everything is tits up. There's nothing that we can do. No. There is something. And what we did in 2016, what we did in 2016 was just the beginning of the end for them. And so when people sit there and say, Trump isn't going to save you. No one's going to save you. Why are you following this letter? You don't know who they are. You don't know what it is. Yeah, you don't. But you obviously know who they are. You know in your heart. You know how many people are fighting. I mean, press secretary is pretty damn on point to making it known. Yet, you know, I see this in my personal circles, in my social circles, all the time. Everybody doesn't have the ability to see. When can you see is the question. How do we see? I have eyes. It's reflecting, right? Certain wavelengths off of that ever so constant light. And I see things, but are you really interpreting what you see correctly? Can you see where the truth stems for, where love stems for, where your core stems from. Can you see it? Because if you can, then you have no question and no doubt that what you are watching is well scripted. What you're watching is a playbook of our destruction. And if we have the playbook and we've had this playbook, like I said, the ink was not dry when it was taken by a woman. 
It wasn't even dry. They had already plotted how to dismantle and how to maximize, maximize. See, that's the thing. We have been so mesmerized and so put into pockets that the only thing we think about is how will I get the next meal on the table? Will I be able to afford my mortgage? Can I make my car payment? Will I have money for gas? Can I eat? Will I have power? Will I have a job? But see, the more you focus on that, the more he wins, right? He who shall not be named wins because there is an abundance of everything. If God were to come down and say to you, hey, you see that well? Why don't you go fetch me a glass of water? <laughs> You're going to sit there and say, well, I don't have a cup or a bucket and a rope to get down there and get the water, right? That's what you're going to say. That's what you're going to say. You need a rope. You need a bucket. You need to be able to like lower it in there. Make sure the rope is long enough so you can get water. And, 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 and that's what you would say, right? You would say it. I need a rope and a bucket and the rope has to be long enough. You would sit there and calculate it and say, well, let me drop in here how far it goes until that coin you know, breaks the surface of the water and I can hear it, right? And, and, and you're like, wait a minute. Oh, I think I need about 20 feet of rope. And I need, I don't have that. Sorry, I can't get you a glass of water. Why? What if I told you that there is no well? There is no well. The water is right there for you to take. But you're telling yourself you can't get it. That's the point. You are in a construct of a constant deficit. When there is no deficit, I'm telling you from personal experience, the more you sit there and calculate how much rope, what kind of bucket you need and how far or how long the rope has to be. And the fact that you decide that you need a well to draw that water, right? It's enough to tell you that every time I did those calculations, every time I measured that rope, got that bucket, it would not last. It would not last. Example, yesterday I was on Amazon looking for books, right? Textbooks are expensive. You know, I have one child in college. Um, you know, she's also part of the uh, Army uh, Reserve. She's active. Um, and a younger one. So I was on Amazon uh, looking for things. And I was like, oh, I was filling up my cart. And I was like, damn it. It's like Target. You go in for like five things and then you go to cash register. And it's like $300 20 hours later, right? And I was like, oh, damn. And suddenly, you know, I'm sitting there. I put it in there and I'm like, all right, where can I, maybe I can rent a book on Chegg. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I could do that. So I'm looking around and what happens in my inbox? <laughs> An Amazon gift card. I kid you not. I kid you not. It just appeared out of nowhere. And I was like, um, what? Um, that was exactly what I needed. It was, it was exactly, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not just saying this. It was exactly $17 and one penny more than I needed in the cart for the books. I'm telling you, the, the water's there. You don't need a bucket. You don't need a rope. You just got to believe it, that it's there. You have to believe that when you're moving forward and doing 
what you're supposed to be doing good, not focusing, you know, I, I always had this and, and, and I thank God for this. I, I guess I would have to thank my family because my family is deeply embedded in the church. I have nuns, head nuns, metropolitans, which are like, you know, cardinals or, or those the, the one of the highest before the pope. Right. In my family, like that run the whole Orthodox church kind of thing. And the one thing that I would always say even though I was not a person that lived a good, I would say I wasn't on a bad path and I don't think I did bad things intentionally. You know, I thought that I was doing good and working for the greater good. Let's be honest. And then at some point I even said, well, it's just a job and I'm really good at it. Uh, not bothering with the consequences. But the one thing that I would always say is when I'd be in a pickle, I'd be like, that's okay. God will provide. I would say that. And people around me, my family members would get frustrated frustrated, completely frustrated. Oh, no, he'll provide whatever it is happens. Whatever it is happens. I, I didn't embody that until, you know, my life was turned upside down last year completely. I mean, it started turning upside down in 2017, but it wasn't a cross that I couldn't bear. The cross that, 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 that I had on me was like, I was like, okay, God thinks I'm Atlas. Right. And to all of us, you know, we, we see things like that. But that's the point where I just stopped measuring for rope. I stopped measuring the length of the rope, stopped looking for a bucket and even a well. And I was like, you know what? It's just going to happen. And it's going to happen when I need it. It's going to happen because this is it. And it's not something that you would say, oh, you're just lucky. No, you're not lucky. We construct our realities. And if it's filled with good, if you're constantly pushing good, how can you get negative back? People are like, well, I'm good. And none. it's like, but are you good for the right intentions? Hence why Millie grounded me with that ego thing. And I am not shy to say that. Um, so that's something that I want you guys to keep in mind. Your faith and your core is very, very important now. Right now, it's very important. Um, very important. Because what our nation is going through at this moment is a collective movement, a shift. I mean, it's not a coincidence that, you know, the churches are at war with each other. Church has been evicted from anything. And now we have, you know, uh, a justice going forward and her religion is being used against her, but in a very slight way, right? It's a very slight handed, underhanded way by both Republican and Democrats. So it's not happenstance, happen chance. Okay. It's not, it's totally not. It was all meant to come up to this. And never, ever, 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 for those of you in any religion, any religion, Judaism, Christianity, Muslim faith, Sheikhism, whatever it is, think. How many of whoever you believe in your mind is God, how many of those that executed the duties for him or led the people to salvation, or uh, opened up the eyes and hearts and minds of the people. How many of them were actually, I don't know, really, really good people that had no bad background? None. They were prostitutes, thieves, 
tax collectors, right? Uh, swindlers, everything. Think about it. I just want you to think about it because again, it's all about redemption. And so please keep that in mind for the next few days, the next few days. What you need to think about is where you're going to be on November 3rd. I actually thought I'm still waiting to see if the, um, if I'm going to get back my um, mail receipt, I told you that in, in my state, I had tried to register. I don't have um, uh, this state's driver's license yet because I'm I'm still saving up to get that divorce done. Um, I don't want to have the same. I, I just want to remove one of my last names. So I was like, nope, not going to do it till that's done. So I had to like register for voting. I still have my passport and everything else. And I was like, you know, I'm going to register. I tried online, couldn't. So I sent off the documentation every single month this past summer because I had to be in the state for so many months, right? Well, I sent that off and I haven't been put on the voter list yet. So, you know, I last minute on the last day of registration, what I did was I filled out the form and sent it with like where I get a mail receipt from USPS that they received it. That way I could say, I sent it to you with this USPS postal service. Here's the stupid blue green receipt thing. So I'm voting uh, because it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's crazy to think about it. I've sent it and sent it and sent it and I'm nowhere yet in a building where no one is allowed to enter. I got knocked three times to census, whatever. And they called me, you know, a couple times. And it's like, why are you calling me? The chick was here. I videotaped her. She was here the first time. Another person came the second time, but you can't, you know, have me register to vote anyway. So I was, I was talking with Millie and, and she had, and she was right on that. Um, and I agree with her. Uh, I was like, you know, the minute I get it back, I'm going to go and vote. And she said, I'm not. She's like, I'm going on November 3rd, which ironically, because her case is not political, her other case is being heard on election day. <laughs> right. Totally not political. But anyway, I, um, I, I told her that I wanted to go vote early. She's like, don't, because then they know how many votes they need to, balance out for her. the other side. I, I slipped her, her, her. So they need to know how many votes they need for the other side when you vote early. So if you're going to vote in person, I know people go and vote early, but I think that's actually quite a telling uh, thought. And I was like, damn, she's right. She's right. Because if they already know how many people are voting for President Trump, then they already know how many fake votes they need to balance it out. Um, you know, in lieu of uh, the November 3rd. So I, so that's what I'm going to do. I still haven't gotten the, the return receipt. Should have had it already. I mailed it off last week and it's only up the road because I actually went to hand deliver it, right? And they were like, leave it with us. You know, you can't come in coronavirus. And it's like, is that how it's going to go when I vote? But I went to go hand deliver it that day. Actually, just so you know, I rented one of these little scooters that they have outside of my building and scooted all the way up there and parked it and locked it. Man, that was pretty cool. You know, for $5, my own personal taxi cab on a scooter. But I scooted all the way up there. And then I thought, no, I'm not leaving it with them because then it's like, honey, well, we didn't get it. Sorry. So We'll see how that goes because stealing the elections, they've been doing it all the time. You've never, ever, 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 
ever voted after JFK. Okay? Never. You think you were voting. Everything was fixed. Always. It was always a battle of who's going to take control and be in the driver's seat. Come on, McCain, Obama. You really think that was a battle? Come on. Hillary was pissed. It was her turn. They were like, not yet, man. We're going to put this dude up first. Get everything sorted because he's the chosen one. Brennan said so. And Brennan's people that give him marching orders said so. So you're going to sit pretty and you're going to take over later. That's why it was all fake between McCain and Obama. The people that were working on McCain's campaign were also working on Obama's campaign. Come on. It's like so evident. So evident. It's just games. It's like the Game of Thrones, you guys. Only it's bigger than that. It's just like that. It's who, what controls everything. Man, Brennan is going down so hard. It's not even funny. Well, it is funny for me. So I wanted um, to uh, start today with that message uh, only because it's going to be very important that you focus on you and what sounds right to you because we have so many people, you know, putting out content and narratives and you have to think, well, hold on a second. Where are you speaking from? From, from what 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 point of privilege are you speaking from? Where is it coming from? How are you coming from it? Okay. You have to think about that sometimes. Think about it sometimes. You know, there's a lot of things that, that I wish I could say um, and be more transparent with you, but unfortunately I can't uh, because there's no point in spoon feeding. Like Ronald Reagan said, if they can't see the light, make them feel the heat. And this is exactly what we're going through right now. We're totally feeling the heat. Again, I want to showcase a little bit of Tucker right here, who I'm really glad the president kind of mentions, but doesn't really. That's a good thing because we need him safe. Okay. Because he's not on anybody's books right now. So let's just keep him out of the, see the people he doesn't talk about are the people you, you don't need to worry about. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Here we go. Let's listen. For now, though, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Happy Columbus Day. If you've been out celebrating the discovery of America, you may have missed the first round of Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings. So how were the hearings? Well, we watched, in a word, we put it this way, bizarre. Bizarre for this reason. Almost none of the attacks on Barrett, and of course there are many of those, had anything to do with the job she is trying to get. The Supreme Court exists only to determine whether the laws that our politicians write are consistent with the Constitution of the United States. That's why we have a Supreme Court. It's the only reason we have it. Supreme Court justices do not make laws because they're not elected by voters. We don't let them legislate as a result. That's how democracy works. Only people who are elected get to make laws. Democrats would like to change that system. They understand that Congress is an inherently small-c conservative body. Congress is never going to change the country overnight in some radical way because voters don't want radical overnight change. They never do. So if you're going to have a revolution, if you're going to remake America, you're going to have to do it from above and you're going to have to impose it on people. And the left would like to use the Supreme Court as their instrument to do that, a kind of super Congress with lifetime tenure. Imagine power like that. There's nothing you couldn't do. So once you understand that perspective, which is very much their perspective, Today's hearings made sense. 
Democrats spent hours talking about the 2009 Obamacare law. That was baffling at first. If you're interviewing someone for the Supreme Court, there's only one relevant question about Obamacare. Is it constitutional? That's all they consider. That's all they're supposed to consider, not how they feel about the law, not whether it comports with their personal values, not whether their party supports it. Is it constitutional? And yet that was one of the few things that Democrats didn't ask because they're not interested in whether or not it's constitutional. What they care about is power and whether or not Amy Coney Barrett will diminish or enhance theirs. So they understand the Supreme Court purely in political terms. So not surprisingly, they conducted today's hearings like a campaign rally. Healthcare for millions of Americans is at stake, barked one finger-wagging senator from California. Another Democrat pointed to a photo of a middle-aged woman called Laura, who looked very unhappy. Without Obamacare, this senator said, Laura will be, quote, unable to afford the treatments necessary for her to survive. In other words, if Amy, Amy Coney Barrett gets this job, it's curtains for Laura. Democrat after Democrat made that very same point, as they so often have recently, Obey us, or many will die. You know that they are trying to push through a justice who has been critical of upholding the Affordable Care Act. The effort to dismantle the law continues, and they are asking the Supreme Court to strike down the Affordable Care Act. Your nomination is about the Republican goal of repealing the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare. They seem to detest. They are deliberately defying the will of the people in their attempt to roll back the rights and protections provided under the Affordable Care Act. Well, it sounds like Obamacare is going away if ACB gets on the court, but it's not actually. And that's the amazing thing. Obamacare isn't really at risk. There is no case currently pending anywhere in this country before any court in America that would eliminate Obamacare. Nor, by the way, do we have any idea how Amy Coney Barrett would rule in a case like that were it to materialize, which, again, it hasn't. But most bewildering of all, Democrats themselves have spent most of the past two years publicly conceding that Obamacare is a disaster. Six of the 10 Democrats currently, as of today, sitting on the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, that's the same committee that convened today to consider Amy Coney Barrett's nomination, six of the 10 co-sponsored Medicare for All legislation. That legislation would have completely abolished Obamacare, along with all private health insurance. Kamala Harris is one of the people who voted for that. Amazing. And yet there was Kamala Harris today warning us that the country will collapse if Amy Coney Barrett votes on a hypothetical case to destroy Obamacare, which she herself voted to destroy. What? It all seems kind of confusing. But think about it for a second, and it begins to make more sense. When you realize the goal is not to preserve Obamacare, again, they voted to scrap Obamacare. The goal is to undermine the legitimacy of our systems, and in this case of the Supreme Court, so that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can pack the court full of partisan Democrats who will rubber stamp their program. Again, it's about power. Oh, that's the key to the riddle. When confirmation hearings become partisan political exercises, they make the Supreme Court itself seem like a partisan political exercise. And that degrades the public's trust in the court and their support for our institutions. Democrats know. Let's stop right here. So let's be honest, okay? The Supreme Court appointments have always 
almost when they were uh, with big confirmation numbers have been done when the Senate, the House and the executive office were pretty much the same party. So they've always been political. They've been the best bargaining chips anything can buy for any new incoming administration. Remember that. Very important chips. That for the public to go along with court packing, they have to delegitimize everything about the court and the confirmation process. And so that's what they did today again and again. Lost in this hypocritical rush is the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Let me close by remembering her for a minute in this unseemly charade. This is a charade when they say this is a normal judiciary committee hearing. Rushing a judge through this sham process. They are confident that victory at the Supreme Court is now within their grasp if the Senate confirms Judge Barrett through this hypocritical, illegitimate process. Yes, Judge, I think this hearing is a sham. Oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because in a democracy, and you probably learned this in civics class, in a democracy, you're required to obey the posthumous orders of a dead person who was never elected. Yep. Check the Constitution, check law, you know, cases looked everywhere. Couldn't find anywhere that says, oh, well, they said so. No, she actually said four years, not one day less. So until January of 2021, the president of the United States is President Trump. Ergo, he has the right to appoint anyone. Obama didn't do it, not because they were conflicting with him, but because they discussed this. Let me tell you something. So he had nominees. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Here's you, you heard it first. He had nominees. They all discussed it. They had to make this go away. The only way that they can convince Loretta Lynch, Eric Holder, and the rest of them to work with them is to make sure that their own people were in the right place. And that was discussed in April of 2016. And they had actual legal scholars in mind. Thank you. They should be saying to Chief Justice Robert Scotusgate is going to be massive uh, to find ways to make President Trump ineligible to be president. And that was discussed um, in July of 2016. It was an idea that came forward with the idea of using these SCOTUS positions as bargaining chips to make sure that the elections go the way they want them to go. And so Brennan and a lot of them colluded. Man, McCabe, uh, you know, did he actually get that money from GoFundMe? Hmm. Um, they all discussed this stuff. I'm telling you they did because it was all Brennan's idea. Everyone says Hillary Clinton's idea. It wasn't her idea. She approved of the idea brought to her. This is how we're going to do it. We've got assets everywhere. We've got everyone, the DOJ and the FBI working under me, says Brennan, who orchestrated and created that uh, quasi <laughs> fourth unelected branch of government foot soldier group. OK, so that was done under Clapper. So Clapper can't just. Be, well, you know, uh, dude, you were ODNI. Stop. You knew everything. They all discussed it. They all had combos. That's what they did. They all knew. 
They don't want President Trump to appoint someone they can't remove. So their answer to that is we're going to pack the crap out of that court. We're going to put 20, 40, 50, 100 million if we want to SCOTUS judges. We're going to dismantle the Supreme Court of the United States, the one that interprets the laws. Well, interpretation is perspective, right? Kind of like special glasses that you wear. It's your eyes that are looking through them. And you're going to see it in the tint and the hue that you want. And so that goes the same to judges, too, if they can't be objective. But one thing we do know about many people that are strong in their faith is that faith teaches you to be objective. Not thumping and using the Bible as a shield or a sword, but to keep it as a core and a compass to know when you should be objective. Hence why Amy Coney Barrett will be the best justice we have. If not, mm, she should be chief justice at some point. And so that'll come at a time when I'm no longer here per se, but she will be the chief justice of that Supreme Court at some point because people that are strong in their faith tend to be objective. Uh, they're not liberal. They're not uber conservative. What they do in their personal circle is up to them, but they do not Bible thump and use it as a shield. They do not slay anyone with it, right? With their faith. They never do, but they use it as a guiding light to not pass judgment, to be critical in their thinking. And this is what they don't want. See, if he was to put forward someone else, they probably would still foam at the mouth because they don't have control over them. Remember, he put her name out years ago. They've had time to find whatever they want on her. <laughs> the fact that, you know, she has children from Haiti is a very interesting fact. Let's just put it that way. Very interesting insight. Very interesting. Hence, Kiev Klobuchar. Oh, did I mention that she's completely linked with the director of communications of Rothschild Corporation? I just wanted to point that out. Okay. And when you don't, it's a sham. It's a charade. Never mind the fact that the Senate is, of course, by definition, following every constitutional procedure for filling a Supreme Court vacancy. Amy Coney Barrett isn't the outcome, though, that Democrats want. Therefore, our system, they're telling us, is illegitimate. The irony, of course, is that it's Donald Trump who's undermining our democratic norms. Remember that? They tell you that at every turn. And yet it's not Trump who tried to pack the Supreme Court. He could have tried when Republicans can control Congress. He didn't consider packing the Supreme Court. Now, Democrats are planning to, and it's a familiar path. Hugo Chavez packed the Supreme Court of Venezuela in 2004. Erdogan did the same in Turkey. How'd they do that? How'd they get their populations to go along with it? By claiming their judicial systems were already illegitimate. Sound familiar? On Saturday, Joe Biden stumbled through the same rehearsed line you heard from Kamala Harris during the debate last week. Republicans have already packed the court, Joe Biden declared. Yes, we've had nine justices for more than 150 years. And yet somehow, without anyone noticing, Trump packed the Supreme Court. He did. The only court packing going on right now is going on with Republicans packing the court now. It's not constitutional what they're doing. They're the ones violating the Constitution, says Joe Biden. So when I rewrite the Constitution, it'll be fine. That's the predicate. That's the setup for what's coming next. Joe Biden knows Republicans aren't packing.
backing the court. He also knows he can repeat that lie with no consequences whatsoever because the media will never hold him to account. They want him to get away with it. Back in 2013, when it helped Barack Obama, a partisan operation called PolitiFact wrote, quote, court packing has involved one branch of government proposing to change the structure of the courts, either expanding or decreasing the number of justices. Now, Republicans are not doing that. It's pretty simple. They're not in favor of doing that. If they ever come out in favor of doing it, we will attack them for doing it because we're not partisan. But of course, you won't find a PolitiFact fact check of what Joe Biden just said on Saturday. Instead, our media actually rushed to perpetuate his lies. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. So this weekend, a piece by the Associated Press referred to court packing, non-sarcastically, they weren't joking at all, as, quote, depoliticizing the court. You increase the size of the court to dilute the other side's power. You pack it full of partisans who do your bidding, and that's depoliticizing it. Here's how the AP put it, quote, Montana Senate candidate Steve Bullock said that if Coney Barrett was confirmed, he'd be open to measures to depoliticize the court, including adding judges to the bench, a practice critics have dubbed packing the court. Yeah, no, not critics, scholars, historians, politicians, Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself, every person in America referred to court packing as court packing up until two weeks ago. Right. It's hard to believe that line made it into print, but it did. Court packing is just depoliticizing the court now. You'll probably see that definition formalized in the AP's next woke style guide next to their entries on undocumented shoppers and peaceful riots. Fundamentally, though, the AP is onto something inadvertently. Many judges and justices in this country are obviously political. They have a lot of power, too much power, more power than any individual should have. Power in this country should reside with the electorate. People who are elected should have the most power, not people who are appointed. Unelected judges shouldn't be deciding issues like abortion and immigration policy for the entire country, but they are. The solution to that is not to embrace more politics in your judicial branch, though. It's to recognize the proper role of the courts, to de-escalate a little bit, to bring us a little closer to sanity. In a brief moment toward the end of today's hearing, in her opening statement, Amy Coney Barrett tried to do exactly that. Watch. Courts have a vital responsibility to the rule of law, which is critical to a free society. But courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. The policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches, elected by and accountable to the people. The public should not expect courts to do so, and courts should not try. So these hearings of Amy Coney Barrett will continue for the next couple of days, barring some really dramatic development that is hard even to imagine. It does seem very likely that she'll be confirmed in the end. So there's not a lot of drama, at least as of tonight, surrounding her nomination. What happens to the Supreme Court itself, however, is very much in doubt, and along with it, our country. Very much in doubt. Hold on. Let me pause that, because that's the next one up. I'm going to pause that. So uh, even today, watching the confirmation hearing, all of us were getting upset, right? How could we not get upset with what we were hearing? Uh, Feinstein used one of the oldest tricks of the intelligence community, and she's so old, she's lost her 
oiliness, right? The slither in there. She was like, oh, what a beautiful family. Introduce us all of them. And she had a full house. Man, you know, when I was uh, younger, I always said I wanted a lot of children. I did. I wanted tons of them. And uh, obviously, I, it was probably because I didn't know, but uh, one of the uh, children that I lost um, uh, was done so that uh, my body created antibodies. This is how I um, perceive it. Um, but I was very lucky to have my youngest, Phoebe, uh, because I had been trying. I wanted to have an army of children. Um, <laughs> because I wanted Christmases with all of my kids and their kids. I just wanted a full house um, for family get-togethers. I'm, you know, I'm the type of person that loves the board games. Like I have tons of them. Uh, spent quality family time, and I guess. Um, I mean, I didn't come from a very big family. It was just my myself, um, my late brother, and my sister. But we weren't like board game people. <laughs> you know, I wanted that cheesiness, the white picket fence. Obviously, whatever decision I made for a career didn't give me all of it, but it gave me moments of it whenever I was present, physically present. Uh, so uh, her attacking the fact that she had an army with her was what she was doing. And for me, that rang so slimy. Right, the way she did it, uh, as if she was sincere. And then the minute she completed that introduction, she went head first on the right to choose to ch to kill children, because we don't all want nine kids and so many siblings. And I hope that the people that watched it understood that. That was one of the most disgusting moments for me. Was that the fact that she came in, you know, um, very how can I say, as if she was like all excited, she even had that smile on, and then she came in for the kill. So um, that was um, quite interesting. Uh, I did notice that she didn't even have notes while she was talking this morning. She didn't. I mean, why would she need notes? Truth doesn't need notes. You know, I do absolutely, you know, I, I, I've said this before and a lot of people don't believe it. <laughs> but when I do my show, it's kind of, we'll see where it goes. I mean, I'll have a couple videos that I know I want to go through with you guys. Some things that I haven't watched that I'm going to watch with you, right? But um, I don't prepare because when you deliver current events and truth, you don't need a guideline, right? Because if I had a guideline, then we would be talking about how, you know, in Pennsylvania, a police chief was forced to resign because his wife made a pro-Trump comment. Like, hello, already talked about these commonwealths. The question is, who forced him to resign? And are, are we now politicizing the police department? I thought they were supposed to be impartial and simply there to enforce laws that are being broken. Mm, that's the thing. How is it possible that there is objectivity and simply carrying out uh, the duties that you have sworn to uphold if you're not letting your own officers have their own freedom? His wife said that. His wife supports President Trump, and the mayor had a problem with it and got him fired. 
Who's that mayor? This is where the people of Lancaster, PA, need to get together and say, you're out, dude. It's all of us and just you. Guess what? We don't want you. We don't want you. We the people. This is where you go into action. Sitting on the sideline. Oh, I don't know. We can't do this. We have to like gather signatures. We no, man. Forget your signatures. Everybody, send each other a message. Organize through Facebook and say, everyone that wants this mayor out because this is messed up, let's all meet at City Hall. You walk in there and say you're out. Oh, there's a policy. We write the procedures. This is our city. We're changing the chapter. All of you are fired. If you're refusing to remove yourself from the post right now, and you're going to tell us that we have to uphold whatever rules you put in there, then all of you are fired. We're impeaching all of you. City council, mayor, everybody and their mother, out. That's how it has to be done. They are few. You are many. The president has given you control of your nation. No one's going to come at you. You are in charge. You are in charge and you have every right to have control of your community and your vicinity. 100%. This is what the president has been telling you. Your vote in 2016 or not, now your support after seeing promises made and promises were kept. You see it. <laughs> Imagine he was able to keep promises while all they did was attack him. All they did was attack this man relentlessly. And all they told you was lies, lies, and even more lies. So, you know, when you think about it, um, you have to understand that uh, you're in control. No one else is. You are in control. No one else is. Okay? Because... <laughs> You think that they have more power over you, then you don't seem to really understand what it means to be an American. Being an American means that you are in control. Being American means that you are in charge. No one else is. You have control of the situation, not them. And so on... Um, on that note, I think it's important that we take an intermission, get ourselves some coffee, uh, fill that mug up, and listen to a bit of a song, which is pretty much on point with what we're seeing going on today. If I could turn the page and time that I'd rearrange just a day or two Close my, close my, close my eyes I couldn't find a way So I settled for one day to believe in you Tell me, tell me, tell me lies Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies Tell me lies, tell me, tell me lies Oh no, no, you can't disguise you can't disguise Tell me lies, 
tell me, sweet little lies. Tell me lies. Tell me tell me lies. Oh no, no, you can't disguise. You can't disguise. No, you can't disguise. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. I'd go to the moon in a nanosecond. Uh, the problem is we don't have the technology to do that anymore. We used to. To that I do. I don't have the voice for it, but I totally do. I love that song. Isn't it awesome? So, okay. So I make sure that my microphone's on mute because I actually sing along with a lot of the songs that I play. I'm just saying. So um, I want you uh, to, how do I say? I want you to think back Whew, whoa, that was a long time ago. I think it was with her appointment. So I did tell you that Gina Haspel was in the middle of all of this. Now, all of us would then, all of us uh, were on the same page thinking, what the heck? Who the hell <laughs> said, yeah, Gina Haspel would be great to sit on the CIA. I mean, yeah, don't criticize, you know, the woman responsible for very, very atrocious, atrocious. I don't care if you say it's just a job. I don't care if you say it's to put, you know, whatever. There are some things that you should put your foot down on. Now, the atrocious thing she kind of stepped back on um, uh, helped execute a few. And I think that's where she kind of grew a conscience and, and she got the London station, but, um, that's going to be, that's, that's hovering over her head, but allowing what happened to happen under her watch is a very big deal. And if you see articles that I've been writing since 2015, well, you can't because the HuffPo deleted most of my stuff. But let's just say from 2017, 2018, what you can find, I always ask the question, where are Gina Haspel? I'm like, hey, girl, where you at? Because she's constantly out of the picture. And you have to ask yourself, well, where is she? 
Well, today, this morning, first of all, the press secretary had a great conversation with Maria Bartiromo. Um, and I want us to um, uh, play that only because there's a couple things that you might be able to see because, you know, capes, glasses, you know, whatever. Here we go. Um, let's play this clip. I have it right here for you. Okay, there we go. Uh, trail after recovering from his positive coronavirus diagnosis, the commander in chief held his first rally since then in Sanford, Florida last night, and he will head to Pennsylvania later today. Joining me right now is White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee, good to see you this morning. Thanks very much for joining good us. Join first you. off, you were among the White House officials who did contract COVID-19. How are you feeling now? What, uh, did you have any symptoms, Kaylee? No, I never had symptoms. I was um, entirely asymptomatic, full of energy. I guess I was um, one of the blessed ones not to be affected by this. I know a lot of Americans had it a lot worse. That's terrific. So uh, when when do you expect, I mean, you're not, you're not feeling anything. Will you be getting back to work or will you just ride this out at home? How are you dealing with this? Yes, I'm about 48 hours away from getting to go back to work, um, according to CDC guidelines. So I'm very much looking forward to getting my final test and being back out there. You know, it's frustrating a few weeks from an election to be quarantined, but still working from home. Terrific. Well, the president obviously never stopped working. I want to ask you um, about the president and his plans and also Joe Biden and this latest gaffe on the campaign trail. The former vice president apparently uh, acted as if he wasn't sure which race he was running for during a speech in Ohio yesterday. Listen to this, Kaylee. I want to get your reaction. Nothing can stop us. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. Uh, you know, I, this is heartbreaking to see this. The Democrat candidate also reiterated his plan to repeal President Trump's tax legislation and raise taxes. Kate, what's your reaction to all that has taken place in this campaign? It's unsurprising to see more gaffes from Joe Biden. But the biggest gaffe of all was when he literally told a reporter that voters did not deserve to know whether he would pack the Supreme Court. Of course, voters deserve to know if he would reshape the public, as the Senate told uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Roosevelt in the 1930s when he tried this. It would reform the Senate. It would take away the filibuster. It would uh, change the makeup of the Supreme Court forevermore, making it a partisan body, as Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. Um, so that was a massive gap, one of many this week, but voters do deserve to know. We do deserve answers. We deserve to know where our elected officials and certainly the president of the United States stands. The, the first day of the Senate confirmation hearings of Amy Coney Barrett in the books, Monday's hearing saw Republicans stand up against court packing, while Democrat members accused the nominee of being chosen by President Trump to remove Obamacare aid the president in, in the case of a contested election. And Kaylee, now they are calling on Judge Barrett to recuse herself. Uh, do you think Barrett will ultimately face any issues making it out of this uh, committee? No, she will make no issues. I uh, have no issues making it out of committee. Um, she has Republican senators on her side. It's a shame that this can't be bipartisan. After all, she was confirmed on a bipartisan basis um, not too long ago, about two years ago. Um, she should, but she's eminently qualified, according to the American Bar Association, people on both sides of the aisle. 
um, Harvard professors like Noah Feldman. Um, but it's shameful because what you'll see today are Democrat attacks on Obamacare, which she has not ruled on, which she has not stated how she would come down on. We would never expect a judge to prejudge a case, but shamefully attacks on her faith. They brought up the Griswold case yesterday about contraception. And as, jo uh, as jo Josh Hawley rightfully pointed out, it seemed like a blatant attack on her Catholicism and a shameful one at that. Well, and then Marsha Blackburn said they're attacking you on your religion because they can't attack you on your qualifications. They're that good. Let me ask you about policy before you go, Kaylee, because Joe Biden has said that he's not going to raise taxes on anybody making more than $400,000. But at the same time, he says that he's going to reverse President Trump's tax cut plan. We know that that tax cut plan lowered income taxes for all levels of income. Income. So if you're going to reverse that, that means all levels of income see taxes go up. But he keeps saying that it's just $400,000. Is that a lie? Is this just politics? Break it down for us in terms of what President Trump wants to do. Maria, of course it's a lie. Of course, if you repeal uh, the Trump tax cuts, it hurts low and middle income Americans who benefited from that. Uh, this is yet another um, reversal he's trying to have here on fracking, too, where he said he wanted to ban it all. He said that several times, and now he's trying to reverse force. He's just doing what he has to do to win an election. But make no mistake, low and middle income taxes would go up. And also, as you well know, Maria, when you raise the corporate rate, uh, that ends up affecting after-tax income. So it'll be a double whammy for low and middle and middle income Americans. And they've seen their wages go up uh, thanks to this president. He'll continue to work to make that a reality. Well, I keep pointing out the capital gains tax because capital gains tax is at 21%. Joe Biden wants to take it up to close to 40%. That's 39.6. I can't imagine the market would be at record levels, which is where we are right now. If people thought that they were going to be charged almost 40% for selling a stock, you sell stocks, you get hit with a 40% tax, you sell your home. That's also making money. You get hit with a 40% tax if you sell your home. So the stock market is telling us one thing, that perhaps President Trump gets a second term. The polls are saying something entirely different, Kaylee. What do you make of these polls that continue to show President Trump trailing? Well, I think a lot of these polls don't poll likely voters over sample Democrats. And I don't think the Trump coalition uh, takes too well when they get a phone call from a pollster. Uh, the Trump coalition, uh, they show up, they vote on Election Day, they wait in line at rallies, they are routinely camping out overnight and overflow um, lines just to see this president. They show up and they vote. They don't necessarily want to talk to a pollster or the media, uh, but make no mistake, they're there, they're loud, and they will be out and, and about on November 3rd reelecting this president. All right. So you think they're not even part of the sample that uh, that, that the pollsters are speaking with. Kaylee, it's good to see you this morning. We uh uh, think, uh how's no? So um, a lot of people have been talking about Kaylee's clock, right? Let's talk about Kaylee's clock for a second. Um, there are a lot of clocks. Time is what you perceive it to be. Time is what you perceive it to see. To see and what speaks to you. And um, what we are seeing is, <laughs> what we are seeing is um, people, and I like this. I like this game. I like it. Because it shows that people are watching and they're trying to see. But I'm going to tell you one of my favorite um, scriptures. Really old, really, really old. It's actually 315 Genesis. Um, 315, 316. But 315 resonates more. And it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise 
his heel. So who is the seed of the woman and who is the seed of the serpent? And what does that say? So that's Genesis. I just thought I'd just drop that in there and let it percolate for a bit. Um, nothing more to read into. One of my favorites, one of my favorites. And um, uh, it's, 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 um, it's pretty interesting because it, it kind of rolls into what we were saying at um, the beginning of this show, which is God loves everybody, whoever you may think is God. And he loves the world. He loves everyone. And whoever does believe in him doesn't perish at all. They have everlasting life. And this goes back to the water. If you believe in him, you don't need a rope, a bucket, measuring tape, or even a well. You just draw, draw, and draw. It comes back to us in cycles. It comes back to us in cycles. Uh, so... I thought I would put that out for all of you that feel you believe, feel you don't. You just have to believe that um, that the good always wins. God always wins. And don't let them tell you different. Don't let them uh, convince you that all of this is happening. Our president is simply a man. He is not a God. And a man cannot on his own ever fight an army that is so nefarious, so dodgy, so backhanding, right? Needs people. Iwo Jima, President Trump is a flag and we are the soldiers pushing that flag up. That is how it has to be. So this is how it moves forward. Once you understand that and believe it, things start to make sense, 100%. Now, there are many, many times that I myself struggle because I want vengeance. I want them to get in trouble. I want them to be held accountable for what they've done, namely Gina Haspel. Or Christopher Ray, one might say, well, Christopher, have you actually turned over all the communications? Well, I don't know. Um, hmm. What have I told you about Christopher Ray? One of our own that then we have our own actual spies talking schmack sh about Ray to the bad guys. So then the bad guys go back to Ray. This guy is a sleeper, but for who? <laughs> Remember these doom spies. We've talked about it before. So everything, when you want someone to be exposed, you let them do it themselves. And you can see it from the way they act and um, how they go about things and how they interact and repetition, of course, of actions. So what have you seen from Christopher Ray? Nothing. He's like in the middle. I don't know. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Kind of blocking. Not really blocking. Yes, blocking. Not blocking. But what about Gina Haspel? Where has she been? Here's Grassley. Finance and Budget Committee's Chuck Grassley. And Senator, it is good to see you this morning. Thanks very much for being here. Take us behind that closed door yesterday. What was your takeaway on day one of the hearings for Judge Barrett? Well, you heard from the other side 
that it's all about health insurance, and this doesn't have anything to do with health insurance. This is all about getting a qualified person, very highly qualified person on the Supreme Court. So from the other side, you heard everything that distorts and distracts. And you have Vice President Biden, and you have Eric Holder yesterday talking about what we're doing is packing the Supreme Court because they're finding out how unpopular the president, uh, vice president's position is on packing the court. He won't even tell them how he's, whether he's for it or against it. But uh, they want us to believe that what we're doing is packing the court, where what uh, they're talking about is adding a 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th member to the Supreme Court so they can put people on that they want that would uh, make law instead of interpreting law as the Constitution requires the Supreme Court to do. Yeah, there's a lot of obstructing going on, Senator. I, I want to get to Russiagate in a moment and your efforts to get documents. But first, please explain to our audience the ramifications of stacking the court, of getting, I mean, we've had nine members of the Supreme Court since the 1880s. Uh, they want to take that number up to 13. They would also uh, like to change uh, Puerto Rico and D.C., make those states so that they have more liberal senators. Give us the impact of these moves. People need to understand okay. before they go to election, uh, the vote on Election Day. Well, if you if you like bipartisanship, you shouldn't change the 60 vote requirement because it's the only place in the political system that forces bipartisanship. Because when you only have 53 Republicans, you don't get anything done unless you have a lot of Democrats going along with you. So do people want partisanship? Then do away with the filibuster, make Schumer majority leader, and he's going to do that. Then packing the Supreme Court gets you to what they want to accomplish through the courts that they can't accomplish through the Congress of the United States. We're the legislative body. But a lot of things that Democrats want, they can't get through here. So they go to the courts uh, and uh, the liberal judges like to expand the laws that Congress passed. They like to uh, expand uh, the uh, Constitution beyond the intent of the writers of the Constitution. So they want uh, justices. So they'll put four more on to get around the six to three division of the court which is made up of strict constructionists, so that they legislate from the court and it becomes a super legislator. And what's wrong with that is the fact that right. you can't vote judges out of office. But if you don't like what I do or anybody else, you can vote us out of office. Yeah, you have been pushing to uh, the FBI to hand over all of the relevant documents in the Russiagate scandal. I want to ask you about this because I have reported and now the Federalist has reported that CIA Director Gina Haspel is blowing off your calls from you and other Republican senators to hand over Russiagate documents, uh, which were requested more than two months ago. But I can tell you that I know on the House, Devin Nunes and John Radcliffe, I've been speaking with them for three years and they've been requesting documents that they have not gotten. You are now waiting on Andrew McCabe, the number two guy at the FBI, former number two guy. You want his texts. Tell me what you've asked for and what the answer is that you've received, Senator. Well, his email that tell us a lot that we don't know. What little that we've seen, we're learning more, but we know there's a lot more there because when we were down at the Justice Department, we saw a whole binder of his books, of his emails. And so yesterday, Johnson and I wrote a follow-up. Now, why, why wouldn't the first letter that we sent 
a long time ago. Uh, get every email if that's what you ask for. But there's something embarrassing in these emails that they want to cover up. And this gets me back to what I heard the president last night say in Sanford, uh, Florida. He says, I, I'm not part of Washington. I'm the first non-politician to be president of the United States. I'm representing the people of the United States. And uh, they've been trying to throw me out of office for four years. And he says, if I'm not reelected, uh, they're going to get away with it. And so if, uh, if we want Durham's uh, uh, work done, if we want all these emails out, uh, the and Biden gets to be president, this is all going to cover it up, just like even in, a, in this administration, the deep state people have uh, uh, not cooperated even with the chief executive of the United States to get stuff out. And uh, it's kind of like Johnson had a story one time. He said, I don't like something somebody said about me. And somebody said to him, uh, why don't you get rid of him? He says, I'm going to get rid of him. And a couple months later, uh, the guy came back and said, did you get rid of that guy? He says, hell, we can't even find out who he is. Unbelievable. Look, what is Gina Haspel hiding? Who is she protecting? Gina Haspel is the CIA head right now, director of the CIA. But under John Brennan, during all of these dirty tricks that they played on Donald Trump and the Republicans, she was running. She was the station chief of the CIA in London. So why is she pushing back at you and Senator Ron Johnson's efforts to get these texts? We also know that Andrew Weissman, part of the Mueller team, they wiped clean 31 phones. You are never going to see those texts on those phones because they wiped them completely clean. Why isn't this considered obstruction? And why aren't you subpoenaing uh, Andrew McCabe to come down and explain it all? He pulled out of your, your uh, hearing the other day. Uh, he was oh. supposed to testify in front of the ju the uh, Judiciary Committee, but he pulled out. So why not subpoena him? Well, Graham's going to have to make that decision because Graham thought he had him coming uh, uh, willingly, and then he turned down uh, last week that he was supposed to be here. So you'll have to ask Senator Graham that question, but I hope Senator Graham follows up with a subpoena. And Gina Haspel, blowing you off, why? Who is she protecting? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the bottom line of it is, that I think Brennan in the the biggest guy, but I think there's probably something in the emails involving Carter and Papadunas that maybe have her name in it, and she could be uh, part of this uh, conspiracy as well. Gina Haspel could be part of this conspiracy as well. Senator, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Good to talk with you. We'll be watching your F. Maybe. Come on. Seriously, we all know. So while that was playing, uh, I finally saw one of the things pop up from the Justice Department that I was waiting for. Hence my lawn chair moment. And so I tweeted about it. Look how many people I'm following. It says zero. I actually got Twitter, Twitter authentication thing. Hey, we want to make sure that you're a real person. We need to send you a text. So I retweeted American contractor pleads guilty to conspiracy to steal government equipment from U.S. military base in Afghanistan. Going back to 2015. Hey, top brass, it's our turn now. While working for a government contractor operating in Kandahar airfield in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Shadowgate. Just for those that say <gasps> Shadowgate was nothing new. <laughs> no, it was definitely never spoken about the way it should. So now I'm following nobody, apparently, um, which is super bizarre. Let's see if that's fixed itself. Nope. So I have 
I'm obviously looking at feeds of people I follow. So what's going on, Twitter? My underscope. Hmm. Guess that tweet, that tweet did it for them. What was it? What's going on? So we got some funny business going on here. Look at that. How quick was that? So let's talk about this. So what happens, uh, so I've told you to follow the rabbit, right? And what I mean by that is follow Assistant Attorney General Brian Rabbit. <laughs> Acting Assistant Attorney General Rabbit. So, Verita Quincy, 35, of Snellville, Georgia, pled guilty before the U.S. magistrate, uh, Miller, on one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States and one count of making false official statements. Sentencing is set for February 23rd, 2021, before Judge Rebecca Smith. Quincy admitted that between April 2015 and July 2015, she and Larry... Jay Green of Chesapeake, Virginia, and others conspired to steal and did steal equipment and property of value to the United States while working for a government contractor operating in Afghanistan. So Quincy was a supervisor in the office that issued security badges required for movement of personnel and property on the airfield. She admitted that she was part of the conspiracy. She identified items of value to steal, such as vehicles, listen to this, vehicles, generators, refrigerators, and other equipment. Green negotiated the sale of the items with persons outside of the installation. Quincy then facilitated the thefts by creating false official documents or instructing those she supervised to prepare such documents to facilitate the entry of unknown, unvetted Afghan nationals and their vehicles onto a military installation to collect the stolen property. Let me tell you something about um, these contractors, okay? And I think Patrick Berge would be the best to kind of notate on it. So General Jones has a contract of, I don't know, let's just get a number, $100. Well, the work that he's doing only requires 50 bucks. So he's going to be like, let's just do something to make it look like $100 because we're resubmitting. And if we're not using the full $100, they won't give us a full $100. So this is where we get rid of stuff and say we have to replace them or it broke. Hmm. I mean, refrigerators, vehicles, huh? Very interesting. <laughs> interesting of what may be actually happening as opposed to just vehicles and refrigerators. So obviously Twitter came after me. I still see that I'm following zero people, but I still have a feed. So apparently I'm following them. So there's some fuckery going around with Twitter right now. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. It's always around that time, isn't it? Always around that time. So as we saw, Gina Haspel, let's go back to Gina Haspel, all corrupt people, right? Uh, you know, what is she sitting on? What is she hiding? What is she slow walking? What are they trying to kind of put walls up for? And why? Why? Why are they putting walls up? Why don't they want us to see? Obviously, she's implicated. We already know that. 
and you've made her the head of the agency. She's not going to sit there and self-incriminate herself. That's against the law, first of all, right? So just give her a free pass. Tell her that she gets the f out and doesn't get her retirement because she did this. And she walks away. And we can keep her as Jane Doe for participating in this. Just undo it. You don't get any free pass, but you get a very mild pass. Like you can never have another job again. Let's hope that you have some savings that we're not going to confiscate. Maybe you might have some family members that'll be willing to pay you in your third leg of your life because the government surely isn't. Why can't we get that done? Hmm. Let's get it done. Put her in a box. I mean, if someone gets a big chicken dinner in the military, they can't even work for McDonald's. Give her one. Give her one and let her sit. No books, no pension, no nothing. Period. And we take your assets. So now you can rely on those that love you, even though you threw the government under the bus and sold them out to the crown. I mean, that was always it, right? Always it. <laughs> so there's a lot coming. I'm upset that I didn't get a lawn chair on that. But that goes back to the fact that that is only the beginning. This is, you know, for them to go there first, it meant more than just a violation of, uh, you know, getting people that we don't know and haven't vetted coming on the base. I mean, that's normal. Think about it. She's working as a contractor. Do you know how much money contractors make? Damn. Damn. They also get hazard pay and it's at least 10K, 10K a month, non-taxable. You're in the field. You needed to steal vehicles and sell them to Afghanis, fridges, computer equipment, maybe. Hmm. Well, 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 General Jones is getting some lost contracts now, isn't he? So let's start. Uh, let's uh, finish off today's uh tory says show uh because i want to get back to the to the confirmation hearing because i'm seeing some tweets of some crazy boards looks like you know white house you know you know channeled himself some alex jones and i'm kind of laughing at the fact that there's so many people equating the democrats to alex jones starting to make sense now to everyone anyway let's take a listen to what our president had to say here sleepy joe but it's great to be back in my home state, Florida, to make my official return to the campaign trail. I am so energized by your prayers and humbled by your support. We've had such incredible support. And here we are. It's, you know, here we are. <laughs> but we're going to finish. We're going to make this country greater than ever before. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We've made tremendous progress. If you look at what we're doing with therapeutics and frankly cures, we've made tremendous progress. And I said to my people, we are going to take whatever the hell they gave me and we're going to distribute it around to hospitals and everyone's going to have the same damn thing. We've all endured a lot together, and we are doing better by far than we ever did in 2016. The enthusiasm's greater. The spirit is greater. 
we're going to have, if it's possible, an even greater and more important victory than we had just four years ago. And nobody ever said this fight was not going to be a hard one, but we will make it like you've never seen before. We are more successful now than we've ever been before. Our military is rebuilt. Take a look at what's going on with our economy. I hate to say to the fake news, we're about to hit another stock market record, 401ks. Sleepy Joe Biden, not a nice guy, by the way, I have to be honest, not a nice guy. You know, people say, oh, he's such a nice guy. He had a very bad day today. He had a very bad day. You saw what happened. If I ever had a day like he had today, they'd say it's over. It's over. Now, Biden had a bad day. He forgot Mitt Romney's name. He didn't know what state he was in. And he said, today he's a proud Democrat running for the U.S. Senate. No, you can't do it. It's the second time. Can you imagine if I did that? It's great to be with you. It's great to be a wonderful developer from New York. They'd say, he's out of here, get him out. Now Biden had a bad day. He's got a lot of bad days coming. Look, look, we can't play games. The one thing I know for sure, President Xi of China did us no favor. President Putin of Russia, you look it around, Kim Jong-un, whatever happened to the war we were supposed to be in with Kim Jong-un, right? Kim Jong-un, they're 100% sharp. We have somebody running who's not 100%, he's not 80%, he's not 60%. We can't have this as a country, we can't have it. Joe Biden is also owned by the radical globalists, the wealthy donors, the big money special interests who shipped away your jobs, shut down your factories, threw open your borders, and ravaged our cities while sacrificing American blood and treasure in this ridiculous, endless wars, set of endless wars that we've been in for a long time, 19 years. They're all coming back home. You know that, right? They're all coming back home, our great warriors, our great soldiers. The corrupt political class is desperate to regain their power by any means necessary. We're the ones standing in their way. We're the ones standing up for the American worker, the American family, and for the American dream. And that's what we're doing on this beautiful evening. This beautiful evening in Florida. Oh, do I like Florida? Did we win Florida last time? Was that beautiful? We won it. You know, everything I hear, we're winning by a lot. Then you turn on the fake news, they say, the polls are tied in Florida. I don't get it. I don't. We had the same thing last year. Remember, four years ago, we had the same thing. We're going to lose Florida, they said four years ago, by five points. They called that thing so early in the evening, we won by a lot. And we're winning by a lot more now than we were four years ago. 22 days from now, we're going to win this state. We're going to win four more years in the White House. We're going to make our country greater than it has ever been before. This is the most important election in the history of our country. And I used to say it in 2016. I'm sorry at the time I thought it was. These people are crazy. We have to win. 
most important we've ever had. Biden has made a corrupt bargain exchange for his party's nomination. He's handed control to the socialists, the Marxists, and the left-wing extremists, and you know that. And he's got no strength left. He's got no power left. He's got nothing going. If he wins, the radical left will be running the country, and they're addicted to power. And God help us if they ever got it, because we would never have the same country again. And you couldn't make a comeback. You don't make comebacks from where they take us. If I do not sound like a typical Washington politician, it's because, frankly, I'm not a politician. I'm embarrassed by the term. And if I don't always play by the rules of Washington establishment, it's because I was elected to fight for you. I fight harder than anybody has ever fought for you. I had a very nice life before this, I will tell you. A lot easier. But I love this and I would have never, ever changed because we are doing more for this country than any administration has ever done despite witch hunts and the phony stuff that we caught them on now. We caught them cold and we'll see what happens with that. Just watch. Stay tuned. Right now I'm fighting to make sure we eradicate the virus, rebuild the economy and save our country from the radical left. We're hitting record stock market numbers, record 401ks, record stocks, record job numbers. Don't blow it, don't blow it. Sleepy Joe wants to quadruple your taxes, you know, wants to quadruple. How about where he gets caught again? He said, oh no, we're not gonna give a tax increase, but we're gonna terminate all of the Trump tax cuts. Well, that's $2,000 plus child tax credits, plus all of the other things. You're talking about six, seven, $8,000 a year. I don't think Florida is gonna be paying that per, per family. And you know, if you add energy into that, we have energy at an all time low. We're energy independent. Nobody ever thought that was going to happen. And when you're paying less than $2 at the pump, like you are, Nobody ever thought you'd see those days again. And those days are here for a long time if we're smart. We've been beating China. We've been beating everybody. Until the plague came in, we were teaching China like they've never been taught before. And they know it. And they've told me that. And they never thought it could happen. And we're very soon going to be doing it again. We achieved all of this despite the fact that we caught them cold. They were spying on our campaign. It's our campaign. It's our campaign, not my campaign. They were spying on our campaign and illegally trying to take down a very, very straightforward and legally sworn in administration. We were sworn in. They tried before the fact. They tried after the fact. We were a an administ and you know, then they say, we want to know if you will agree with a friendly transfer of power. For four years, they've been trying to get us out of office. Four years they've been trying to get us out. But we'll take care of it all after the election. We caught them cold. We caught them cold. Bad people. Crooked Hillary. And by the way, Obama and Biden knew everything that was happening, okay? Just in case you had any questions. We'll take care of it after the election. Joe Biden 
and the Democrat Socialist, but that gives you another reason to go out and vote. We got to get in. Because we don't, they'll just sweep it under the rug. Joe Biden and the Democrat Socialists will kill your jobs, dismantle your police departments, dissolve your borders, you know that, release criminal aliens, confiscate your guns, no more Second Amendment, get used to it, destroy your suburbs, and drive God from the public square. That's what's going to happen. You saw in the Pledge of Allegiance during the Democrat National Convention, they took the word God out twice. They said, oh, we made a mistake, excuse me. And then it happened a second time. We said, well, I guess that wasn't a mistake, right? Biden even refuses to answer questions on the packing of the Supreme Court. Nobody even thought of that for many, many, many decades. And that's what they want to do. They can't get there legitimately. So they say, that's all right. We'll just pack the court. We'll put a lot of super lefties on the court and we'll have a whole different country. Nope, not going to happen that way. We're not going to let it happen. You got to get out and vote. You know, a lot of people said I was elected because of the Supreme Court, because I said, I'm going to put great conservative constitutionalists, great judges on the Supreme Court. I don't know if it's true. But if it is true, it's more true now than it was four years ago. And you got to get out and vote because they're going to destroy our country and they're going to destroy our U.S. Supreme Court. And we can't let that happen. But who would have thought we're on number three? You know, other presidents have never had any. They've never had any. We're at three already. Three and a half years. And I will say this, I will say this, it's driving them crazy. It's driving them crazy. And Amy is fantastic, a great intellect, a great scholar. I think she's gonna be a fantastic US Supreme Court justice. As America saw earlier today, in Amy's opening statement in the Senate, Judge Barrett, a brilliant scholar who will defend our laws, our rights, our freedom, and our Constitution like very few people would have the capability of doing. The radical left is hell-bent on destroying everything we love and cherish. They're enraged and unhinged out of vengeance, and nobody believes what they're doing and where they're going, but we understand it. We understand their cancel culture. We're not letting them cancel culture us at all. We're proud of our country and we're proud of our heritage. They want to punish the middle class, expunge every last trace of traditional values and replace the American dream with a socialist nightmare. And that's what it is. They want to turn America into communist Cuba or socialist Venezuela and ruin the lives of Hispanic Americans and all Americans. And I want to thank the Hispanic Americans down in Florida. You have been so incredible to Trump. Biden's agenda would be a catastrophe for Florida seniors. And by the way, you know, Biden was a big lover of Castro. You do know that, right? And you know the deal that I broke. You saw that right as I came into office. Obama gave the whole planet away to Castro, and I said, no, thank you. We're not doing that. That's why we just got the Bay of Pigs Award from the Cuban-Americans. Thank you very much, and a lot of them are here. Thank you all very much, Bay of Pigs.
For years, Biden tried to cut Social Security and Medicare. You know all about that. Now Biden is pledging mass amnesty and federal health care for illegal aliens. Now, we all have a heart and we all want to take care of people. But what you're doing is you're telling millions of people to pour up into our country. We're going to give you education. We're going to give you health care. We're going to give you everything. We can't do it. We can't afford it. We can't take care of our own people. We have to take care of our people first. And if they let that happen, you would be decimating Medicare and destroying your Social Security. While I'm president, no one will touch your Medicare. No one will touch or hurt in any way, shape or form your Social Security. With your vote, I will finish building the strongest economy the world has ever seen. And we were there. Last year was the greatest year in the history of the state of Florida. And I have to say it was practically that way for almost every state in the union. But it was Florida's best year. The year coming is going to be, and you're going to see a great third quarter set of numbers coming out very soon, just before the election. So I'm putting myself on the spot. The third quarter numbers are going to be record-setting, phenomenal numbers. Next year is going to be the best year we've ever had economically. But as I've done from the beginning, I will keep every promise and I will always put America first. You haven't heard that, right? You haven't heard that from other people. Under my leadership, we're delivering a safe vaccine and a rapid recovery like nobody could even believe. And if you look at our upward path, no country in the world has recovered the way we recovered economically or otherwise, not even close. And if you vote for me, prosperity will surge. Normal life, that's all we want. We want a normal life. We'll fully resume. And the Florida tourism and hospitality industries that I know so well will reach historic new highs, highs like they've never reached before. Biden would terminate our recovery, delay the vaccine, prolong the pandemic, and annihilate Florida's economy with a draconian, unscientific lockdown. That's what he wants to do, lock it down. Lock it down, everybody. And you know what? If you don't feel good about going out, stay. Relax, stay. You know the risk groups. You know the older people. See, fortunately, I'm not an old person. I'm very young, and I'm in such perfect shape. Right? I'm in such great shape. You know, I said that the other day. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm very young, and I'm in great shape, perfect shape. And they said, Donald Trump misrepresented today again. He said he was in great shape, but he's very young. These people are the sickest of them all. <laughs> but the World Health Organization, did you see what happened? They just came out a little while ago and they admitted that Donald Trump was right. The lockdowns are doing tremendous damage to these Democrat run states where they're locked down, sealed up, suicide rates, drug rates, alcoholism, death by so many different forms. You can't do that. And I want to just congratulate the governor and everybody in Florida. You're open and open for business and doing great. We got to remember, I said it right at the beginning, the cure cannot be worse than the problem itself can. The cure cannot be worse 
But if you don't feel good about it, if you want to stay, stay. Relax, stay. But if you want to get out there, get out. One thing with me, the nice part, I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel, I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and um, everybody. I'll just give you a big fat kiss. No, but there is something nice. I don't have to be locked up in my basement. And I wouldn't allow that to happen anyway. I wouldn't allow it to happen. When you're the president, you can't lock yourself in a basement and say, I'm not going to bother with the world. You got to get out. And it's risky. It's risky, but you got to get out. But it does give you a good, uh, a good feeling when you can beat something and now they say you're immune. I don't know for how long. Some people say for life. Some people say for four months. I mean, every time I think about it, every time I hear that, we get shorter and shorter and shorter because they want it to be as bad as possible. But it's, uh, it is a great feeling. I want to thank, by the way, Walter Reed Medical Hospital, Johns Hopkins. These guys are incredible. You know, we're 90% better now than we were six, seven months ago in terms of a cure for people that get really sick. 90%. It's incredible what uh, what's happened. And with children, it's 99.9%. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. 99.9. They have a little better immune systems. We just learned that. Better than you have, right? Better than we all have. But we love our children. But we have to get our schools open. We have to get our businesses going back. We have to get our country rolling. And it is rolling. You're going to see that when the numbers come out. The Biden virus plan. And you got to remember, he took H1N1, which he always calls N1H1. He gets it mixed up. I said, no joke. H comes first. But it's called the swine flu, right? And his own person, his chief of staff, said that he it was a disaster the way they ran it. A much less lethal problem, but a disaster the way they ran it. A total catastrophe. It was so bad. It was so bad. And then he says, I'm going to tell him what to do. But when I locked down China, he thought it was a terrible thing. He called me xenophobic, right? When I locked down China, which was in January, months earlier than what he said. Then ultimately admitted I'm right, but then he said, oh, he should have acted faster. Well... This was months later. Then he says I should have acted fast. Nobody acted fast like I did. I also shut down lockdown Europe, if you remember. And the bottom line is we saved millions of lives. When this first came out, if we didn't do a good job, they predicted 2.2 million people would die. We're 210,000. We shouldn't be at one. It's China's fault. They allowed this to happen. They allowed to escape. They allowed it to escape China. But 2.2 million people would have died. Just remember that. Just remember that. A fact they don't like talking about. I have such respect for the people of this country, the way they've handled it. It's been an incredible. It's been an incredible love fest together. That's really what it's been. And sympathies from all of us to those people who, whose family members have died, whose friends. I've lost friends. I've lost friends. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're going to love me even more. You're going to love me even more because we're years ahead on vaccines and they're going to be distributed very shortly. 
I mean, frankly, it's a big political deal going on where they don't want it to be before the election. Don't let it be. But we have great vaccines coming. Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer. I mean, we have great, great things happening with the vaccines. I think even greater with the cures and with the therapeutics. And uh, maybe it's why I'm here with you. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. I know one thing. I was very happy to take it, that I can tell you. But through Operation Warp Speed, we're on track to have 100 million vaccine doses before the end of this year, and they'll be delivered by the military, and they're all set to go. They're waiting for it, waiting for final approval. And that vaccine will end the pandemic, but we're also launching a historic effort to bring your medical supply chains back home. In 1996, Joe Biden voted to obliterate Puerto Rico's thriving pharmaceutical industry. Remember, they used to have a great pharmaceutical industry. He cut it out. And when he cut it out, he sent Puerto Rico into a, a nosedive like nobody's ever seen before. So we're bringing it all back and we're bringing it back to Florida too. We're bringing it all the way back. Taking our jobs away from China. We're bringing them back from China. I'll reverse Biden's catastrophic decision. We'll bring it all back. The drug industry is coming back into Puerto Rico, coming back into, by the way, Pennsylvania, coming back into North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, coming back into Michigan, coming back into Ohio. We're bringing it all back. Last month, I also announced an additional $13 billion in disaster relief for Puerto Rico and for Florida. Have I taken care of Florida? Hey, have I taken care of Florida? My administration's allocated over $60 billion. And if you look at Florida with your great governors, your last two governors have been great, your two senators, great. They're always calling asking for money, but I guess that's what they're supposed to be doing. And I'm always giving it when it comes to Florida. The panhandle got hit really hard over the last two years. We took care of the panhandle. So days ago, I was honored to receive the endorsement of the governor of Puerto Rico. Can you believe that, right? Wanda Vasquez Garcet, and she was so nice. And we're also joined by several great Puerto Rican community leaders, Jay Rosario, Gabe Ruiz, Daisy Lopez-Sid, Myra Guzman, Coslo, and candidate for Congress, Dr. Leo Valentin, please, where are you? I'm not going to say the best, but I'm just about the best thing that ever happened to Puerto Rico. You better vote for me, Puerto Rico. You better vote for me. But I'll always be fighting for Puerto Rico. It's very unfair the way they were treated by Democrats. And while Biden will surrender your jobs to China, your country and your fellow politicians have a lot of great ones right here, including your governor. Uh, but we're never going to surround. We will never allow ourselves to even think about surrendering to the left wing mob. They're on the run. They're on the run. Better not have them have a little bit of a victory because if they have even a little victory, it's not going to be good. I'm bringing our jobs back home and putting violent criminals behind bars. I'm working with your political leaders. We've also 
directed the FBI to immediately investigate the destruction of the Teddy Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln statues in Portland and to prosecute the offenders to the fullest extent of federal law. Biden supporters are causing mayhem in the streets. If he wins, there will be nothing but bedlam all over the place, but he's not going to win if he won. He may be the worst presidential candidate in history, and I got him. I got him. It actually puts more pressure on you. If you ran against a great candidate, there's actually less pressure. You want to know the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Now we want to keep our country great. We're bringing it to a level that it's never been. Our military has equipment, the likes of which nobody has ever seen, no country has ever seen, all made in the USA. Rockets, missiles, tanks, ships, the likes of which jet fighters, bombers, tankers, the likes of which no country has ever seen before. Our nuclear arsenal is the strongest by far in the world, the strongest it's ever been. And hope to God we never have to even think about using it. And the way you won't have to use it is to have it. At our debate, Biden could not name a single law enforcement organization that supports him, not one. And that's because, and by the way, did Vice President Mike Pence do a great job? Right? A great job. But it's because Biden and Harris, that's another great one. There was nobody so mean to Biden than her, nobody. And so brilliantly, I said he can't pick her because nobody treated him as badly. Although I will say this, uh, had Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren got out prior to Super Tuesday, we would have had Bernie instead. But I'd rather have Biden because he's now alienated the left. He's alienated the right. Nobody knows what the hell he stands for. How about Pennsylvania? He goes to Pennsylvania for a year and a half. He's against fracking. The day he gets the nomination through a little luck because she didn't get out. So she took all of Bernie's votes, right? But gets an, um, the following day, he said, I'm in favor of fracking. But he's not. And it doesn't matter because the radical left will never let Pennsylvania and Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota and, and Ohio never let them frack. That's over with. But can you imagine? And the press, you know, which is fake and corrupt, the press never said, have you ever heard a mask? No, have you ever heard a mask once? Well, wait a minute. For one year, you said there will be no fracking. And he said it strongly, right? You know, read my lips, right? To use an old expression. Read my lips, there will be no fracking. That didn't work out too well. So now he goes and he says, there will be fracking. Not once have I asked, have I heard the question? Not once have I asked why Hunter was able to take three and a half million dollars from the wife of the mayor of Moscow. Not once have I heard these frauds back there. Not once have I heard the fake news. Not once have I heard them say a billion dollars if you don't change that prosecutor, you're not getting the billion dollars. And then he goes, whoa, the prosecutor was changed. The prosecutor against his son. Not once have I heard them talking about that question. Can you imagine if we did that? 
And on top of everything else, the Democrat Party declared war on our great police and law enforcement. That's what it is. So I proudly received the endorsements of the Fraternal Order of Police, the National Association of Police Organizations, the National Troopers Coalition, the International Union of Police Associations, the National Latino Police Officers Association, the Florida Police Chiefs, and all of these incredible organizations, plus all over the country. And when I asked them, name one organization, give me one organization during our debate where he was saved by the moderator about four times. He couldn't answer it. Name one law enforcement organization. He couldn't name one. Then I said, say the words law enforcement. Just say it. Couldn't do it. He couldn't say it. We're joined tonight by a great group of people, warriors, really warriors. He came to me. A couple of years ago, he said, sir, I want to run for governor. I said, Ron, I don't know. Do they know you well enough? But he was a great defender and a brilliant guy. Harvard, Yale, top of his class, smart as hell. Nobody knows how smart. Don't tell too many people. He likes to catch you by surprise. But he's a great, great guy. And he's been a great friend. I said, all right, I'll endorse you. I endorsed him. And the rest, he went like a rocket ship. And he handled the pressure. And... And his wife, Casey, is better than him. I've been saying it for a long time. Governor Ron DeSantis and Casey. Great guy. Great, great couple. Great, great couple. Smart, brilliant. Sit down, please. Uh, really just a great, they're a great group of people. Those people are great, and he surrounds himself with incredible people, with the exception, of course, of Representative Matt Gates. Oh, Matt Gates. You talk about a warrior, right? Ron, what do you think, huh? Matt Gates is a great man, a great gentleman, and what a future he has. I don't know if I'd swap it, but I think I might. Great chat. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you both for being here. Appreciate it. John Rutherford. Where's John? John. Thank you, John. Mike Waltz. Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Nice couple. Gus Villarakis. Gus. Gus. Congressional candidate, somebody who's supposed to be potentially a superstar. Now, we've heard that a lot. Sometimes it works out. It's going to, in his case, Scott Franklin. Thank you. Oh, he's got the look he could be. That's good. That's good. Hear good things, Scott. Going well. How's he doing? Ron, he's doing good. Ron says you're doing good. Good. You got to win it. Thank you, Scott, very much. Uh, Kimberly. Where's Kimberly? Kimberly. Thank you. I watched you coming in speaking. I said, that's a lot to follow. Kimberly is great. I want to thank Kimberly. And finally, we're joined by a group of amazing supporters who recently walked away from the Democrats and will be voting for us. We have a lot of them. A lot of them. And a lot of them in law enforcement. A lot of law enforcement. They were Democrats. In some cases, they left their parties. In other cases, they just said, no, we're voting for Trump. I said, why are you doing that? We have no choice. I said, you're right. You're right. 
But nobody's been better to law enforcement than I have. You know, when I first came in, we gave away hundreds of millions of dollars of military equipment that was in storage. Wasn't doing anybody any good. It was collecting dust, probably paying rent all over the place. That's probably why they had it, come to think of it. Well, look how far that crowd goes back. Hey, hey, cameras, will you please? Oh, man, look at that. into those hangers. Wow. You know, these are the real polls. So when did you hear about this meeting? Like a day ago? These are the real polls, right? The other guy gets out there and he's, they work and work and work and 30 people show up. They put them in those crazy circles, right? They only have the circles because that's the only way they can fill up the room. It's true. But that's a fantastic group of people. Thank you. Same thing over here. I wish the fake news would turn the wait, cameras. Wait, you wait, know? wait, 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 wait. I have to show you guys this. Okay, so I made this um, because it was hilarious. Because, uh, you know, the fact that he said that prompted me to, to make this little funny video just to show you the circles that he's talking about. Like, dude, I have it on Rumble. It's hilarious. It's just like less than a minute long. Hold on. Let me see if I can. <laughs> yes! to share that because you know bottom line is there were more trump supporters did you guys see it was it showing yeah it was showing right um <laughs> yeah, there were more trump supporters out there protesting against biden than there were biden supporters in his uh, you know car you know his biden rally car show <laughs> It's so hilarious. And it's like, you know, he really trolled him. And you have to think these polls, man, these polls. Okay. Like in what universe, in what universe are they even real? I mean, come on. We're really going to say that, <laughs> that Biden's winning. Where are they? Where's that winning? They have circles and squares that you can stay in for social distancing. Can you see it's about impeachment? Can you see it was their plan? I mean, come on. That would have happened in 2016, but they were confident. They had everything in the bag. <laughs> that overconfidence that, uh, you know, Brennan had pretty interesting. So, uh, for a long time, I didn't think the cameras moved that way. But then anytime there was a little sign of problems, they could twist around like a pretzel. And I realized they could. But they don't like to show those crowds. But that is a massive amount. I don't know how many people are here, but we got a lot. I want to thank you. So this evening, 
We're also praying for all of the families on the Florida panhandle affected by Hurricane Sally. And I will tell you, Ron and Marco and everybody, I'll tell you, Rick, everybody's been calling and calling. Matt Gates has been going, driving us a little crazy. Matt, you could take it a little easy. But that's what somebody that's good is supposed to do, right? You're supposed to call. But we take care of the panhandle and we're doing it at a level that's never been done before. And I've done it, I think I can say, right from the beginning, right? I tell the story about Ron DeSantis. He came to see me. He just became governor. We had a hurricane. Sir, thank you very much for the money you sent to the panhandle in Florida. I appreciate it. Good, Ron. Good. I hope it's enough. Good. Spend it well. I get a call like three days later. Sir, could I see you? Now I'm in Washington. I say, you don't have to come up. Tell me. No, no, no. It's very important. Sir, comes into the Oval Office. Sir, could we have an extra $500 million? I said, Ron, will it ever end, Ron? And one thing I found out, it never ends for the Panhandle and for Ron, but we take care of it, right, Ron? We take care of it. Now, great, great people. You have great people. They're warriors, I'll tell you. They're warriors. They're fighters. We need more people like that, I will tell you. Last month, I approved a major disaster declaration for the state of Florida, and I'll be with you through every step of the rebuilding and you'll be hit with others. The one thing we know about Florida, you're very good at this stuff. You get hit by hurricanes and you rebuild and you rebuild fast. And it's incredible. I've watched, I've watched. And you don't want much help either. You're proud people, you're incredible people. You put it back together, but we're there for you all the way. And we're there monetarily and we're there with FEMA. And I think Ron, FEMA has been incredible, haven't they? Right? Yeah, they've been incredible. Thank you to FEMA. We have a lot of FEMA people here, right over there. We've spent the last four years reversing the damage Biden has inflicted over the last 47 years with that ridiculous, dumb thought, NAFTA, TPP, and China's entry into the World Trade Organization, a disaster for our country. You know, China is considered a developing nation. I stopped that. China is considered a developing In other words, China, they're so wonderful, they're developing. Isn't that nice? Now, by being a developing nation, they get much more benefits than a nation that's not a developing. So I said, well, we're a developing nation, too, if they're a developing nation. And we just won, you know this, we just won $7.5 billion from the World Trade Organization. Just won. And from the World Health Organization, I took us out. They said, why'd you do that? I said, number one, they were wrong on everything, although they corrected themselves today and they said I was right on the lockdowns. But I said, number two, why are we paying 500 million a year and China, which has 1.4 billion people, is paying 39 million a year? Explain that. They couldn't explain. It was very hard to explain. So I took us out for that and other reasons, okay? So we'll see what happens with that. But these are the deals. I could go over hundreds of different things with you. And just common sense, I mean, common sense, what, what we do. Think of it, World Health Organization. We spend, we have 325 million people. We spend $500 million. China spends $39 million and China dominates them. I said, does it work that way anymore? Does it work that way anymore? They'll take us back in so fast at much less money. For decades, our politicians spent trillions and trillions of dollars rebuilding foreign nations. 
fighting foreign wars and defending foreign borders. But now we are finally protecting our nation, rebuilding our cities, and we are bringing our jobs and our factory and our troops back home to the USA. But those dismal days of betrayal, and that's what we were, we were betrayed by our own politicians, whether it was on purpose or that they were just plain stupid. We'll come back with unprecedented force if Washington Democrats are allowed to take control again. We can't let it happen. You have got to get out and vote. Sleepy Joe Biden, and it wasn't him, it's the people that control him, he's controlled totally, has put forward the most radical platform in American history, including a plan to eliminate U.S. borders. Oh, that's wonderful. Where's our border? We don't have one. Just come in, everybody. Come on in. Come on in, everybody. If you're a murderer, if you're a rapist, if you're very, very sick with a disease that can spread all over, just come on in. Now, you know, we're up to almost 400 miles of wall. Nobody talks about that anymore. And we now have the tightest, safest border in our country's history. But we're up to almost 400 miles. It'll be finished very soon. And it's top of the line. It's exactly what Border Patrol wanted. But by implementing nationwide catch and release, imposing deadly sanctuary cities, nationwide nationwide they want sanctuary cities that's what they want i don't even think i'll tell you i know a lot of people in california they don't want sanctuary cities it's like the politicians want it i don't think the people want it but they want to suspend all removals of illegals out of our country whether they're murderers rapists thugs bank robbers they don't care they want it suspended You almost say, where the hell are they coming from? Where does it even, where does the thought process come? It's demented. It would mean the total nullification of all U.S. borders, overwhelming every city and town in America, including this wonderful place that we all love very much. Under my leadership, we achieved the most secure border in U.S. history, and we're finishing that wall. It's going to be finished and so beautiful. Wait till you see that. Wait till you see that. A few more months. We're doing 10 miles a day. And by the way, Mexico is paying. They hate to say it. Mexico is paying for it. And Mexico has been great. You know, Mexico has 27,000 of their soldiers on our border. And I said, you have to do that. Otherwise, we're going to have to charge you tariffs because we're not going to stand for it when people are pouring into our... And we have the worst laws because Congress over the years has made it so weak. If you're a soldier and you talk rudely to somebody, they end up giving you the electric chair. Okay. It's so horrible. Mexico has been great. 27,000 soldiers we have. See, 27. Now, the electric chair comment, they'll put that. He's exaggerating. He shouldn't do that. They are sick people. But it is true. We have 27,000 Mexican soldiers guarding our border. And you know what? They don't play games. They don't let them through. And if they do let them through, we get very angry with Mexico. So Mexico has been great. The president of Mexico has been great. We're putting a border tax on for cars and trucks that go across. It'll much more than pay for our wall starting soon. Remember when the old days we used to say, we'll build the wall, everybody thought there was no way. You know, it's one of the largest projects in the history of our country because you're talking about a lot of miles. 
540 miles, and then we may even add some more into other areas where you probably, you know, you have natural barriers like mountains and rivers and a lot of other pretty tough areas, but we may even add some more. We're doing so great with it. 10 miles a day, and I want to thank the Army Corps of Engineers. You've been incredible. Some of them are here. They're very proud people. One thing with the Army Corps, they may build it a little expensive, but you can't rip that sucker down and never come to That'll never come down. We ended the catch and release ridiculous program where you catch somebody, you take their name and then you release them and you say, come back in three years to a court case. And nobody ever comes back except for the really dumb ones. They come back on occasion. But nobody ever comes back. They're in our country and they could be murderers and they could be all sorts of problems. And uh, we're not having that. We ended it. We stopped asylum fraud and we've deported 20,000 gang members, including MS-13. Brought them back to their country. We brought them back to their country. We've now deported over half a million criminal illegal aliens. Think of that. Think of that. And outside of poorly run Democrat states and cities, you don't have crime in this country. This our country is doing fantastically. And I call up governors in Portland and I call up from the state and I call up the governor as an example, Oregon. I say, we'd love to send some people to help you out with Oregon and to help you out with Portland. We'll solve the problem in a half an hour like we did in Minnesota with Minneapolis. We'll solve the problem quickly. Remember, Minneapolis was burning down day after day, and I'd call, let us come in, let us come in. Anyway, they finally came in. How long did it take? About a half an hour. Remember the beautiful scene? They lined up. They weren't socially distanced, but that's okay. They lined up, then another line, another line. Then they just walked forward, and that was the end of that. And I think we're going to win the state of Minnesota because of it, I think. Hasn't been won since 1972, but it's looking like we're going to win Minnesota because of it, because nobody, I mean, what they did. But I give the governor credit, at least even though it was too long, he let us. In Oregon, we have to send in the troops. We will solve that problem in 30 minutes. We sent in the U.S. Marshals. Recently, when the man, this horrible human being, shot somebody and killed in the middle of the street, two days went by, three days went by. I said, why hasn't he been arrested? We sent in the U.S. Marshals. In 15 minutes, it was all over. 15 minutes. Be so easy to do. I mean, can you imagine these people? For years and years, it's been, uh, it's been anarchy in Portland. For years and years. But not for the Republicans. This is why you cannot have the Democrats and that whole philosophy, that whole craziness. You cannot have them involved in running your country. We invested $2.5 trillion in the U.S. military, including funding to save Tyndall Air Force Base. Who comes? Who knows Tyndall? Who is? Okay, well, not that big a group. That's not like a big group. I can tell you, if you were in the panhandle, you'd be saying, thank you very much. It was wiped out by the hurricane, and Ron called, and a number of people called, and Marco called, Rick Scott called. They all called. They wanted to save Tyndall, and we did it. And now it's brand new, gorgeous, and really moving along well, right? We did a good job there. I think so. We launched the first new branch of the U.S. Armed Forces in nearly 75 years called Space Force. Very important. 
you know, for an administration, if you think of it. So not for 75 years, we've created a new force, right? The Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. So think of it, Coast Guard. And now we just created a new force. First time in 75 years. If I did nothing but that, that's a big deal. And that's peanuts. That's peanuts. Because we built the greatest economy in history. We cut taxes more than any other president by far in history. We cut regulations, which I think is maybe just as important as the taxes. That's why our businesses are roaring back. We've done things that nobody else has done. Nobody else has. And these people back here, they don't even challenge me on it, which is shocking. Usually you think they'd challenge you, even if they're wrong. I also brought back NASA, the greatest space center again in the world. And we pass VA choice and VA accountability for our great vets, right? And we just got a 91% approval rating, Ron. 91% approval rating by the vets on the way we're running it. Never happened before. That's never happened before, Rick. Never happened before. We killed the leader of ISIS who was trying to reform ISIS because we blew it into oblivion. We killed al-Baghdadi. They were looking for him for years and years and years. Guess who got him? We took out the world's number one terrorist and the mass murder of American troops and many, many people all over the world. Qasim Soleimani, he's dead, gone. I withdrew from the last administration's disastrous Iran nuclear deal, which was a catastrophe. President Obama, give us $150 billion and we'll give you nothing. Give us $1.8 billion in green, in cash. He gave him $1.8 billion in cash. That's when I realized how powerful the presidency is. We didn't do that. What a horrible deal. But we broke the deal, and I'll tell you, probably the first call I'll get after we win the election will be from Iran dying to make a deal because they're down 28% GDP. Nobody has ever heard of a thing like that. That'll be the first call I get. They cannot have a nuclear weapon. I kept my promise, recognized the true capital of Israel, and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. And every president promised to do it. Every president said they were going to do that for many, many decades. They all were going to do that. Nobody did it because once they got in office, there was a lot of pressure on you not to do it. I could tell you I was called by every foreign leader. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. I told the story. I said, listen, uh, tell them I'll call them back in a couple of days. Then I did it. I called them back. Hey, what's up? I also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. 52 years they've been working on that. They've been working on that for 52 years. They couldn't get anything. Every year, people would fly in, stay, wine, dine, have a good time, and leave. Nothing would happen. 52 years, I got it done in one day. And instead of these, instead of these endless wars, we're forging peace in the Middle East and peace without blood all over the sand. And you see what's happening. In fact, a, a point that they didn't report, I re, I've been, I guess, three or four, maybe now. Nobel Peace Prizes, can you believe it? Four, three. I told the story, I told my wife, oh, we're gonna have a great time, we're gonna watch television. I just got nominated for the Nobel Prize.
And then I turned on the fake news, story after story. They talk about your weather in the panhandle run. They talk about this, they talk story after story, no mention. Remember when Obama got it right at the beginning and he didn't even know why he got it? It was the biggest story you've ever seen. The last administration made a pathetic one-sided deal with the Castro dictatorship that betrayed the Cuban people and enriched the communist regime. They're not enriched any longer. My opponent stands with socialists and communists. He wants to give everything away to Cuba. He wants to give it away to Nicaragua and Venezuela. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I stand with the people of Cuba and Nicaragua and Venezuela in their righteous struggle for freedom. The last administration also negotiated the terrible Obama-Biden-Santos deal with Colombian drug cartels. They surrendered the narco-terrorists. They surrendered, totally gave up to them. And that caused illicit drug and illicit drugs all over this country. Joe Biden even received the endorsement of Colombian socialist Gustavo Petro, a former member of the M-19 guerrilla organization. And he took it because you know why? He didn't know who the hell it was. He said, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take whoever. He said, no, he's a bad guy, Joe. He's actually a bad guy. Under my administration, we worked with Colombian officials to seize or disrupt 227 metric tons of poisonous narcotics since April. And we're doing fantastically in terms of bringing it down. 19% reduction. My heart will always be with the Colombian people and the people from Cuba and the people from Venezuela and Nicaragua and all of the people that are so unfairly treated. And you'll see a lot of great things happen. I did more in 47 months than Joe Biden did in 47 years. And now he's pushing the most far left agenda ever put forward by a presidential nominee or candidate. The Biden plan would destroy Social Security and destroy protections for pre-existing conditions. You're going to have nothing left. This crazy new, Green New Deal. The Green New Deal. I mean, what's that all about? Biden's running mate sponsored the Green New Deal and the socialist health care takeover. You're going to have socialist health care. You don't feel well. OK, go to the hospital. Stand there for about four weeks. They'll shut down American energy, shut down fracking and outlaw the private health insurance plans of over 180 million Americans who love those plans. Biden vowed to terminate our travel bans on jihadist regions and surge refugee admissions. He agreed to this with crazy Bernie Sanders. He's going to surge admissions into our country by agreed number 700%. No, thank you. Opening the floodgates to radical Islamic Terrorism, and I don't like to speak too loud, but we're not doing too badly, are we? How do you know that? He'll ban school choice, he'll ban charter schools, and he'll ban Florida Opportunity Scholarships, which is a big deal, Ron. A big deal. He wants to put them out of business, Ron. In a second term, I'll provide school choice to every parent in America. A vote for Republicans is a vote for safe communities great jobs and a limitless future for all Americans. And I just have to say in conclusion, over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world. 
and we will end our reliance on China once and for all. It's ending. We will hire more police, increase penalties for assaults on law enforcement, and we will ban deadly sanctuary cities, which you're already doing in Florida. We will uphold religious liberty, free speech, and the right to keep and bear arms, your Second Amendment. We will strike down terrorists who threaten our citizens, and we will keep America out of these ridiculous, horrible, and very, very stupid foreign wars against countries that you've never even heard of. We will maintain America's unrivaled military might, and we will ensure peace through strength. We will end surprise medical billing, require price transparency. It's already signed, and it takes place on January 1st and further reduce the cost of prescription drugs by 50, 60, 70, and even 80%. We will strongly protect Medicare and Social Security, and we will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Always. Republicans will always protect. America will land the first woman on the moon, and the United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Mars, and it's going to be very soon. We will stop the radical indoctrination of our students and restore patriotic education to our schools. We will teach our children to love our country, to honor our history, and always respect our great American flag. And we will live by the timeless words of our national motto, in God we trust. For years, you had a president who apologized for America. Now you have a president who is standing up for America and standing up for the great people of Florida. So get out there and vote. Send in your absentee ballot if you've requested one. Be very careful. A lot of shenanigans going on. You see what's happening every day you're reading it. In-person early voting begins next week. So get your friends, get your family, get your neighbors, and get out and vote. You have no choice. You have to do it. True, you got to do it. We're going to win Florida big. We're going to win a lot of states big. We're leading in Arizona. We're leading in Nevada. We think we're leading in Pennsylvania. We're leading in North Carolina. We're leading all over the place. We gotta have this be a big win. From Tampa to Tallahassee, from Pensacola to Miami, from Jacksonville to right here in Sanford. We stand on the shoulders of Florida patriots who gave their blood, sweat, and tears for this beloved nation. We stand on the shoulders of American heroes who crossed the oceans, blazed the trails, settled the continent, tamed the wilderness, laid down the railroads, dug out the Panama Canal, raised up the skyscrapers, won two world wars, defeated fascism and communism, and from here in this beautiful state landed our brave American astronauts on the face of the moon.
We made America into the single greatest nation in the history of the world, and the best is yet to come. Proud citizens like you helped build this country, and together we are taking back our country. We're returning power to you, the American people. With your help, your devotion, and your drive, we are going to keep on working. We are going to keep on fighting, and we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning. And when Ron DeSantis comes to my office in Washington, the magnificent Oval Office, and he says to me, sir, sir, the people of Florida, they've won too much. They're getting tired of winning. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to say, Mr. Governor, go back and tell them, don't worry about it. You're going to keep on winning, winning, winning. That's what they want to do. We're going to keep on winning, winning, winning. Because we're one movement. One people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together with the incredible people of Florida, we have made America wealthy again. We have made America strong again. We have made America proud again. And we will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Florida. Thank you very much. Thank you. Damn. Now I'm going to have to cut that music out. Um, either way, I'm going to have to render the video. I thought that today's song um, should be different with a little bit of visuals to just let you in on some, mm, some stuff. So let's start this, um, and I hope you're ready for it. <laughs> Here we go. On that note, guys, God bless. I'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take it. Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama. Key Lago, Montego, baby, why don't we go to make off the Florida Keys There's a place called Kokomo That's where you wanna go To get away from it all Bodies in the sand Tropical drink melting in your hand We'll be falling in love to the rhythm of a steel drum band Way down in Kokomo, Jamaica Ooh, I wanna take it to Bermuda, Bahama Come on, pretty mama Key Lago, Montego Baby, why don't we go to the Kokomo? We'll get there fast and then we'll take it slow That's where we wanna go Way down in Kokomo, Martinique, that Montserrat Mystique. We'll put out to sea, and we'll perfect our chemistry. By and by we'll defy a little bit of gravity. Afternoon delight. 
cocktails and moonlit nights That dreamy look in your eye Give me a tropical contact high Way down in Kokomo Jamaica, ooh, I wanna take it to Bermuda, Bahama Come on, pretty mama Key Lago, Montego Baby, why don't we go to the Kokomo? We'll get there fast and then we'll take it slow. That's where we wanna go. Way down at Kokomo, Port of Prince. I wanna catch a glimpse. Everybody knows a little place like Kokomo. Now, if you wanna. Go and get away from it all Go down to Kokomo, Uber, Jamaica Ooh, I wanna take it Bermuda, Bahama Come on, pretty mama Key Lago, Montego Ooh, I wanna take you down to Kokomo We'll get there fast and then we'll take